there. Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. This week on the show, we have Josh Dunkley, a midfielder for the Western Bulldogs. Josh was recruited from the Gippsland Power. He's a strong, courageous, tall midfielder. Continues to establish himself as a prime midfielder in the Bulldogs on-ball brigade. Josh is a contested weapon with a bucket loads of courage and an excellent leadership potential. He's a clutch player who relishes in big moments in games. Had an outstanding debut season in 2016 where he played 17 games and received uh, a NAB AFL Rising Star nomination in round 20 and was the youngest member of the Western Bulldogs 2016 AFL Premiership side. So one of the competition's rising stars Really looking forward to this chat, talk about Josh's journey from the start right through to now, where he also had a breakout season in 2019, where he, he really cemented his spot in the midfield, and he averaged more than 28 disposals and six tackles in that year. Polled 15 Brownlow votes, including three best on ground performances, and was the runner-up in the Charles Sutton medal, named in the All-Australian squad, and was vice-captain of the under-22 team of the year. He signed a three-year uh, contract extension, which will last him until the end of 2022. Before we start episode 35 with Josh, our mission here at Prepare Like a Pro is power aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge from some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. If you like the show, please follow us on Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. We're on YouTube, iTunes and Spotify. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having me, mate. Forward to this chat. We'll get straight into it. Take us back to the beginning, mate. What, what age did you start playing footy? And then when did you recognise that a career in football was, was something that you were going to pursue? So I started playing footy probably as soon as I could. Obviously, my old man played for the Sydney Swans, so was born into the footy world. So I had a footy in my hand pretty much straight away and then started playing footy. I reckon I would have been about six or seven in the Oz kick uh, up in New South Wales. It was actually, ironically, it was with the East Bulldogs, so... Oh, yeah. When I got drafted, it was a yeah, it was very ironic that I went to the Bulldogs because I had a little my first jumper was a East Bulldogs jumper. So um, that was when I started playing, and then obviously came through the ranks. Played first competitive hit out was probably I think it was under twelves back here in Gippsland because we moved from Sydney to Gippsland when Dad retired two thousand two, and then I started playing competitive yeah twelves fourteens, and then rep at 16, 18, and then obviously got drafted. So. The time that, yeah, I started realizing that I probably wanted to do it professionally was at that age of probably around 13, I reckon, when I started to play some competitive stuff. It got really serious and you're playing against your schoolmates and you really want to, you know, take their heads off at times, which is good. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. 13, right. So that's, that's quite young. Did, did that change the way you played or, or did you do anything differently at that age when you started to, I mean, like you said, it was sort of in your environment already with your dad playing, but yeah, what, was there a moment that you can recall where you're like, oh, I, I definitely want to play and be a professional? It's an interesting question. Like, I still think about that today, like how much you enjoyed playing footy when you were a young kid. And when I was 13, 14, was probably the, the best time I actually enjoyed playing footy. Like, you play with your mates, you, have a, you go to school during the week, you train two, three times a week together. And I think then, as soon as I got selected in the, I got selected in the under-15s, schoolboys. So then I played big country and then I realized, so I was probably around 14, I reckon, when I you know realized that I wanted to do this and went away on a camp and went, went I think we went to Adelaide uh, for a week with the big country stuff. And yeah, went over there and played against Metro, SA, WA, Queensland, the lot. So it was pretty cool to play against some of the best players in the, in the nation at that time. But I realized then, I reckon that I really wanted to do it. And obviously I followed footy all the way through, but yeah, it was pretty cool to go away and live that elite lifestyle for a week and then come back and put your head down and get to work. Absolutely. And were there other peers that were had the same sort of drive in that camp that you that you connected with and 
and sort of strengthened your goals in becoming an AFL player? Yeah, I was really close. Like I had people from Gippsland. So Sam Skinner was one that came through the ranks with me. Had another mate that didn't get drafted, but Nash Holmes was all the way through with me. And he we went like in the same town, played local footy together, played Gippsland Power, all that kind of stuff. But others are like Jacob Weedering, Darcy Parrish, guys like that that I played with all the way through. So it was nice. And Josh Shackey, one of my teammates today, played all the way through with me as well. So it was cool to build those relationships early. And then obviously now I'm playing with one of them, but playing against them and a lot of them have, have gone on and you know done some really good things. Fantastic. And have you had strong influences on your game or is it something that you've sort of had many people that have helped you along the way and, and you've really sort of self-taught yourself? Definitely. I've had a lot of influences. Dad's probably my the biggest one. Like having him, I'm pretty lucky to have someone that's been through the system on hand pretty much. Like I can call him, text him whenever I, I need and he helps me through a lot of things. Like footy is not all about the highs. It's, you know, go through a lot of lows and He's helped me through that. And guys like Jared Ruffhead's another one that's not a current player anymore, but pretty much just came out of the game that really looked after me when I was a little kid. We did club week before I got drafted and he took me to the Hawks and showed me around. Reece Shaw was another one at Sydney because I was a part of that father-son program and Goodsy as well. So there's a lot of players and, and people that helped me along the way. But yeah, I think dad's probably the main one that I still talk to today. Good people there that, to help you out, that's for sure. And, and you run a business now where you're helping younger kids that are like yourself that are playing footy. Do you want to take us through the JKLD business and, and how it works and, and who you're doing it with? Yeah, sure. So, so myself, my brother and sister, throughout isolation last year when we couldn't play footy or netball, we decided to sort of join together and, and put something out there that would help people and help kids and you know drive kids and, and adults as well to you know, continue to work out and, and stay healthy and strong. And it's not just about the weights or the running and things like that. It's about diet and things like that. So you've got to, you know, really put your head down and work hard for yourself and do it together. So the JKLD stuff's online and you can ask us questions. We can jump on Zooms like this, one-on-one in a group sense or whatever it might be. So you put in a request, that whatever you, you would like, and we get an email and then we'll work out a time. So it's pretty good to be able to talk to people and help people as much as we can. Amazing, mate. Yeah, that's, that's a great resource for for uh, anyone really, but particularly young up-and-comers to, to learn off you three as a huge resource. So for someone that, who would be your classic audience and and how would they go about making a booking for one of these Zoom sessions? Yeah, so we've had a few kids. We've had like birthday shout-outs and things like that. And people like, I'm not sure of the age, probably between 10 and 15, 16, that have reached out to us and they pretty much go online. We've got an Instagram account, Jake underscore i think it is and then obviously the the website as well that's probably the easiest way to to get on board and and sign up or, or book us uh online so yeah if you use jkld.com.au pretty much and that's it mate fantastic so 2020 obviously was a different year for everyone take us through what 2020 was was like for you was it a challenging year was it a good year what did last year have it involved for you yeah it was a tough year it was a t- i think it was a tough year for a lot of people moving up well, initially, like round one, we didn't have a crowd. I remember that week was just so chaotic. The AFL were working out whether we play, whether we don't. We're living in restrictions already and we pushed to play and then we got we got belted in round one. So it wasn't very nice, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Collingwood smashed us and in front of zero people in the crowd. So that was a very weird feeling. And then, But then it became a new norm. As soon as we went back to training after the big break, I think it was probably eight or nine weeks. It was just small group training. Everything was just different, mate. It was crazy. To be honest, like you walk into the club and you're normally in that group environment, what it's like, and it's being and you couldn't even you couldn't even fist pump. Like it was all about just staying your one and a half meters away. It was crazy. So I, yeah, it was a tough year, and that just flowed. Everything flowed on from there. We had to move up to Queensland for the hubs. I got injured 
in round three. So did my ankle and a syndesmosis and missed, I think, six weeks, seven weeks. So that was tough in itself. And obviously going up to Queensland a couple of weeks into that injury was pretty hard. And for someone like myself that you know loves my family and likes to be close to home and see people, and it's just it was a tough and interesting experience moving up there. But it did, it did build a lot of initiative and in the hub you, you could do, we couldn't really do a lot, but you had to find things to do and to try and take your mind off footy. And that was probably the hardest thing, I think, moving away from footy and uh, really getting some downtime. Yeah, I can imagine, like you mentioned, you go through a hard loss as a team and there's big build-up for round one and then you yeah, you lose and then you, you're in the, in the hub and there's, you know, athletes, routine's so important and obviously routine was, you didn't really know where you'd be in, in you know, a week's time. So, uh, yeah, a lot of challenges, let alone an injury as well on top of that what what were some things that you learned during that that period that that might be helping you going forward in your career yeah I, I learned a fair bit probably more about myself personally like I I didn't really relax as much I don't I didn't like last year and things like that I the downtime was sort of always spent out doing things and I think the hub experience really taught you that your downtime you got to make the most of it because in that scenario you, you're all thinking about footy you walk downstairs you go get some lunch and there's coaches or there's players there was more than one club in that in the in the hub so you're always footy 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 and I think that was something that I really learned to be able to get away from it so doing little things in your room or doing something with a few mates where you can you know take your mind off footy and really forget about everything and then you, you, you when you do get time to to get into training or weights or whatever it might be you're really driven to to do as best as you can whereas if you're full on all the time footy it takes it out of you a lot so that's probably something that I learned last year and something that I've you know done this pre-season I'm feeling really good yeah that's a great point especially for young players and even particularly if you're in your draft year where it's obviously a big focus is is football that year and potentially you could find yourself in a position where you're you're spending a lot of energy mental energy on footy 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 so what would be some things that that those if you're in that position and this is your draft year that you could be doing it during downtime quiet time what were some things that you found helpful yeah so i I actually dived into a lot of the footy club have a community foundation so giving back to the community we had uh the gold program which was looking after the the sudanese in the west and and guys and more programs like that sons of the west mental health there's a lot of programs that the club do and run that we did virtually like this and we catch up with people and, and talk to them on and understand what they're going through and what they'd understand what we're going through and it just put a smile on their face and it would help us personally. There was, I think there was probably a group of 10 of us that did it every week. So that was really good and obviously studying uni and things like that that helped along the way and trying to take your mind off footy. And yeah, they're probably the two things that I did most up there and they really helped me. That's it. During the off-season, pre-season, what, what are some things that you've focused on over the years and and then more specifically the this off-season, pre-season, what's been a, a focus of yours? Uh, Footy-wise? Strength-wise, things like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. maybe we'll go um, strength, thing, yeah, physical-wise, but then also the mental side on that note that you're talking about in terms of keeping yourself fresh and like football is a long competitive season. So how do you go about yeah, unwinding and and where do you focus your time on other things outside of footy? But then, yep. but then in the same note, physical point of view, what are you focused on in terms of getting better? Yeah, well, initially I, I came in as a, a midfielder. I got drafted as a midfielder and something that I really wanted to work on was just being able to be a sponge and learn as much as you possibly could from a lot of players around you. And yeah, we had a lot of good players, senior players, Bob Murphy, Matty Boyd, Kobe Stevens, Bont like guys like that that were really established players, Mitch Wallace. So initially when I walked in, I just wanted to learn as much as I could off those guys. And then you start finding your feet, you start understanding your game a little bit more because you analyze it so much. So for me, along the way, I've just been looking at trying to build my strength and power in the gym. Been away to America a couple of times now where we've got a coach 
Bont and I go down to San Diego, California, which is right near the the I think it's the Mex- the Mexican border. Fairly sure. So go down there, and we've got a coach there that trains a lot of Olympic athletes, and he's really big on the strength and power side of things. So being able to broaden my you know ideas and and techniques and stuff to use at training has probably been something that I've along the journey really tried to do. And the the aerobic side of things, I was I was always pretty good as a as a young kid growing up. I worked hard, so the running side of it was not too bad for me. And when I first came in, it was obviously a big shock because you're backing up on legs days in, in a row. Whereas initially when I was back at Gippsland Power, it was three days a week or whatever. So training every day pretty much really took it out of me. And that's why now I've learned a lot from being able to enjoy that downtime and take your mind off footy because it's so important that when you are there that you give it 110%. Fantastic. Oh, that's really interesting. So how did you and Bont come to meet uh, this coach in America, Speed and Power? How many off-seasons have you done that? Now. Yeah, so we did, obviously didn't do it last year, but we did it the two years before that. We yep. met him. We were actually pretty lucky because one of our weights coaches at the club used to work in America with the Giants and other NFL clubs, and he knew this guy that he hooked us up with. And yeah, straight away, we were down there. As soon as we sort of found out about him, we had the weights coach too, Andy Barnett. He was... He'd been around for a couple of years, so it was, he was sort of hiding all this stuff from us and he didn't tell us too much. But yeah, as soon as we found out that he had a connection down in San Diego, we were straight there. So the last, not last year, but the two years before that, we spent a couple of weeks with him in the off-season, just br- bridging us sort of into pre-season. And you come back, mate, I've, I've never been as sore as I was over there one week, like in my life. It was just incredible. But you learn how far you can, you push your body, but you learn what soreness is and what good soreness and bad soreness. And I think definitely as a young kid, you've got to be smart with what you do. But then as you get older and mature a little bit more, you learn how your body can cope. Yeah, fantastic. So Andy Bunnett's a strength edition coach at Doggies. And he, who was the coach in America? What was his name? His name was Matt. Matt Critz, his name is. Critz, yeah, cool. Uh, that's awesome. And, and what were some things that you were doing in the strength and power? Was it Olympic lifting? Was it more uh, heavy lifting based? What, what type of training were you doing with with Matt. Yeah, there was a range of things, a lot of a lot of heavy stuff, but then a lot of like Olympic stuff as well. Like the we'd have days where we'd be on legs and doing a few Ks of running, but then that day we'd be doing not as heavy in the gym. We do a lot of legs, but not as much upper body. And so you're backing up legs on legs and, and then the the off days where you're doing more sprint stuff, you're doing fast, lighter weights. So you're reactive and your muscles are really working quicker. Yep. So you train your body to, and we lift before sessions like here. We, and the AFL, we barely lift it before sessions. It's more just like switch ons or whatever it might be. So that was pretty cool to see or get different ideas from him. And we we're lucky because one of our rehab coaches, Nick Stone came over with us the second year and he took like, obviously watched what we were doing and things like that. So he got an idea and then brought a lot of the stuff back to the club, which is, which is, Oh, interesting. Yeah, awesome, mate. Yeah, that's a, a couple of different uh, philosophies there to the point where you guys would do a bit of lifting now before running skill sessions or? Yeah, yeah. So we can like lighter stuff, a little like uh, this, when you've got more of a lighter session or you're doing speed and things like that, it's actually pretty cool to, to be able to get in the gym and really work yourself up because you, you when you run out on the ground, you feel so much more ready. Awesome. Cool. And then the other players bought into it as well. I mean, I'm sure it would have helped having to doing it and have already felt it on your bodies and, believe, and being believing in it. Is it an optional thing for players to opt into that lifting session or is it a all in yeah it's, it's more optional like the yeah and i think the guys that we work with at the club they're not going to drive it into everyone because everyone's different mate like it's like everyone some people like to lift before a session some people don't some people like to roll in five minutes before and then run out on the track and, and train so it's up to each individual what you want to do but for us we found that it really was working so it was something that we yeah we continue to do 
And has that um, changed your preparation the day before a game or even leading up to the game, like the, the two hours before a game? Do you do anything different to get you in that space of the, the, the strength and power? Yeah, there's little things that I do that I learned over there. Initially, like I said before, like when you're a young player, you're sort of just so overwhelmed that you're playing an AFL game and you're not really thinking about what's going to help you or what something that might switch you on before a game. It's more just like, all right, I'll just do what he's doing and I might just cruise and then we'll run out and play. So for me, I like to do a lot of hand-eye coordination stuff as science these days is is big and you see a lot of NFL players these days doing a lot of reaction stuff. And we've got a, a cool little screen at the club now where it's re- reactive and you react to the buttons and you got to you get get the high score and it's obviously competitive because a lot of boys love it. So that's something that I do. Yeah, and then as for pre-game stuff, it's it's hard because you can't really get the weights room in the at Marvel Stadium or the MCG. So it's you just got to find little things that you might be able to bring a dumbbell or two and and change it up a little bit every now and then. Oh, cool. So the the hand-eye games that does that go to the with you on games? Does it travel or does it is it something you do nah, it's, on captain's run? It, yeah, it's only it's been something that we had this preseason. So at the ground, I think it'll be more just with tennis balls and juggling and off the wall reactive stuff where you you know you get one of the coaches to help you out. It's hard to bring because this thing's like a massive, massive screen. It's like a TV. Right. So yeah. you stand in front of it. There's a lot of NFL players that you, you'd probably be able to look it up and see what it is. It's just like a, a big screen where you've got to tap the buttons, appear and disappear, and you've just got to be quick and try and get them all. I think I've, I've seen a soccer goalkeeper do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Some of, yeah. some of the, there was one guy, I can't remember who it was in the NFL that did it and he, he smashed it. Like we're getting, I think we get around 50 to 55. This guy got about 80. 80 taps so in a time period. 80 taps in 30 yeah. seconds. Wow. And that's for your, for your running backs, like guys that need to be able to. Yeah, well, just, and even I mean, when you're rolling in the morning at the club, like sometimes you're getting there at, 7 30 8 o'clock so yeah your mind's okay. still yeah your mind's still in bed at times <laughs> so it's good to be able to roll in and switch yourself on on with this this reactive sort of technology fantastic oh, that's awesome mate you mentioned the syndesmosis injury that's not an easy one to, to rehab how's your ankle going and and have you had any other significant injuries that you've had to overcome over your career yeah the ankle's going well it's it was tough last year like i think it was they, they said around eight weeks recovery and I came back a little bit earlier. So it didn't, it didn't get time to settle down too much. As soon as I got going, I was pretty much training and playing. So it was tough. But then as soon as I got the break last year, I had surgery, I had a little clean out because it wasn't great after the season either. Still walking on the beach or just on uneven ground, like it was terrible. So I got the clean out just before the, the start of the off season. And then, yeah, the other other injuries that I've had, I've had a shoulder Rico is probably the worst, to be honest. The the shoulders are shocking. I've had a right ankle reconstruction. That was after the 2016 premiership. So that was another tough one. I've had, yeah, you, you get fingers and I've had a finger reconstruction, broken ribs, things like that. Yeah, a lot of them along the journey, but you just sort of move on and, and try and play through a lot of things and then get them done at the end of the year. Yeah, and you, you mentioned individualization and having that approach for your, for your game. How, how much at the AFL level for, for youngs watching, is there individualized focus when it comes to all the work that you do with revision and strength in their weights room, on the field? Can you take us through a little bit of yeah, the individualized approach at the doggies? Yeah, so I think it's definitely become a lot more relevant now, that individualization like with everyone did their, you know, individual edits and stuff as soon as I got there. But I think the tailored programs these days is where it sort of continued to grow. 
like not just your injury prevention, like injury prevention was always there, but now it's so focused on you uh, and yourself because you, everyone's different. Everyone's got, someone might have a sore quad or someone might have a, a weaker left calf. So you've got to do a lot of work to build that up. Whereas the the edits and on-field stuff is, that's always really been there, to be honest. I feel like even when I was at Gippsland Power, we're still doing individual edits and you sit down with the coach and talk through how your game was and what you can do better. I think the more the thing that's grown that I've seen over the years since I've been in the system has been that individualization with weights and, and injury prevention as well. So the doggies are being really good at with that kind of stuff and and it, and as well like any ideas that you have that like for example like Bond and I went overseas and we brought stuff back that then that gets filtered through the program and now we do it here. So it's it's pretty cool that the club's really willing to listen to to players as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and how much would you focus on your strengths compared to your weaknesses? Yeah, I, I, I've always told myself that I want to continue to build my strengths because if you take your mind off your strengths, you, you're pretty much going to lose them. you got to build up your weaknesses, but I think keeping your strengths because they're the they're your strengths, they're the things that are going to keep you at that level that you want to be at. So they're definitely important to, to continue to to you know, improve because your strengths can be weapons at the end of the day. Like you can't, I don't think you can ever get to the, the peak ever. So you just got to keep pushing yourself and, and find, you know, new levels for, for your strengths, but then also build those weaknesses up because then you just continue to just lift yourself along the way. Fantastic. And you mentioned with your business at JKLD, your brother and sister that are athletes as well. You guys are doing a bit of education around lifestyle. What were some things that you were working on with these kids that were on your Zoom chats? And for yourself personally, what are some areas that you've made big grounds in terms of living an elite lifestyle? Yeah, I think for us, like it's not just about the training side of things. We've always, you know, obviously all of us have been in the system before and I think it's living a balanced lifestyle. Like you can, you can go too far one way where you're not eating carbs because you want to get your skinnies down, but then it's mentally and physically you're just drained because you don't have enough energy. So you got to find what's right for you too. Like I, I've tried that. I've tried not eating carbs, but then I just couldn't, the output wasn't there on field and I lost a lot of weight. Whereas now I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I have a, a very balanced diet. I don't tend to, to focus too much on, there's a lot of diets these days, like starving yourself, no carbs, no protein, whatever it might be, vegans, vegos. There's a, there's so many different things. And that's what I mean. Like you got to find what's right for you. And I feel like I've found that along the journey and you've got to try things too. So it's hard to to understand what your thing is, but until you try it, you're not really going to know. Yeah, that's great advice. And and for, for, for those listeners out there that haven't played around with their diet, how long would you recommend trying something before and then realizing whether it's working for you or not? Because obviously when you make a change, you may not get immediate results because you've changed your routine, which might feel a little yeah. bit different. So how long would it would you give something roughly yourself personally before you realize oh, this is just not not working for me yeah so I tended I tend to try things in the off season I never do it in season because that's too important to to yeah like carry through a game or whatever it might be I did do it so the, the no carb stuff I did because I had shoulder surgery so then I did that and then I came back and played that's when I realized I just had no energy for the last two games of the season so everything I normally do is in the off season but I'd, I'd probably say around four weeks to be honest like you need four weeks of doing that to to see how you feel. Like I've tried vegan, I've tried everything. I've tried vego, I've tried um, every now and then the fasting stuff. And yeah, you just, along the journey, you find what's exactly right for you. And of those different disciplines, have you implemented bits of it into your current diet? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I watched that, that Game Changers, you would have yeah, seen yeah, that. Yeah. So as soon as that came out, that's... There's a few I, Hawks boys that tried tried the veggie after that. It was pretty yeah, convincing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, mate. Like all the, all the evidence and stuff pointed in the right direction. So we actually tried, Bot and I tried that in San Diego when we were training. So... Oh, wow. Yeah. So the training, the loads were so high that... 
we actually felt okay. So it wasn't too bad. But then as soon as we got back, so we trained over there for two weeks. As soon as we got back and we just couldn't keep it up because you need that muscle recovery. You need those proteins and stuff for you. Well, because we're working so hard, you need to you know, maintain that energy and build those muscles. So yeah, it was interesting at first because we weren't, we weren't training when we first watched it and then we could do it quite easily. But then as soon as you start building up those training loads, it was hard to, to continue to back up. Yeah. So little ones that I've tried of, yeah, that was probably the biggest. And these days, like I still have a vegetarian meal once a week, something that I do just because I feel like it makes me feel better, makes me feel a little bit lighter as well. And that's normally on an off day. So the off day, we don't train. So you don't really need the protein and stuff because you're not, you're not doing too much. So that's something that I'll do that night. And then, yeah, from there, as soon as when I'm training, it's always I've got to have something to do with protein for sure at three meals a day. Yeah, you mentioned feeling lighter. So is that something that, what about on game day? Do you, are you eating more vegetarian based or? You need depends. Yeah, it, d- it depends on what time of the day we play. Like, so the night before, if we're playing a night game, I still have, I'll just have meat and veggies or meat and salad because you've got so long to digest it and, and I don't feel too heavy at all. And then game day, I don't I don't tend to eat, overeat because I've done that a lot. Like you can do that interstate when you've got the full buffet and there's food there that you can just continue to eat. But you've got to, yeah, you find ways, like I said before, to, to really train yourself and, and find what's best for you because, yeah, at the end of the day, that's all that matters and you've just got to go out there and play your role for the team. Absolutely. Oh, that's great, mate. Thanks for sharing what's worked and, and what hasn't. That's massive amount of advice for, for those guys that are listening. And, and ultimately, like you said, you just got to trial these things out. And off season's a good period where there's low risk. You're not, there's no points up for stakes. You're not going to let down your teammates and good time to experiment. So I think that's really, really good um, advice for, for everyone listening. What about stress management and sleep? So the other two big ones when it comes to, to lifestyle, what are some learnings that you've had in those two? Yeah, oh, the, the stress management one's big. That's huge. I think the initially coming in, I thought playing AFL was the dream and everyone looks at AFL footballers like, geez, they don't do much or geez, they're living the life. But I'm telling you, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough industry. You get scrutinized every day and not just from fans or members or whoever it might be. It, it's coaches, it's your teammates, like everyone's thinking everyone wants the best out of you. So you've got to find ways to really deal with that. And dad is a big one for me that I rely on a lot. I've, I've spoken to Sykes and done all that kind of stuff. And you've really got to trust the person that you're talking to because I feel like you can't bottle things up at all. You've got to really talk about it and lean on the other person because it will help you get through whatever you might be getting going through. So that's a big one for me. And the like the AFL these days is really big on the mental health side of things. So there's a lot of resources and people out there that are willing to help. I think that's the best thing about being a footballer or an elite athlete is you've got those resources there to help you through. And if you you can choose not to use them, which I did early days, but then it came back to bite me. And then there was my second year when I did my shoulder, I found myself quite vulnerable. So I had to you know, reach out again and sit down and talk through everything and talk to dad and telling the truth about how I was feeling. So they're big ones. And the sleep side of it too is, is massive. Like I've got, I've got sleep apps. I've got things to help me sleep. I've got a sauna that I do most nights before bed. I used to drink a glass of milk every night before bed. So little things like that. I, I'm really big on, and Dale Morris helped me when I first got drafted to the footy club. He was very good at, you know, finding all those little things that are going to help you not only sleep, but recover and, and train train well the next day so yeah a couple of little things mate that i've that i've done along the journey and yeah today fantastic thanks mate yeah, thanks for sharing and yeah, i think that's really important another gem for everyone listening to to speak up during those vulnerable times with with the sleep and the stress is it similar to nutrition that it comes down to a little bit of trial and error and, and speaking to others about what works for them. You mentioned Dale Morris. Are there other things that you've read on or listened to podcasts? How are other ways that you can find information? I listen to a lot of things. It's hard 
because there's so much out there these days and you, you, you watch documentaries like Michael Jordan and you look at the, some of the best athletes, LeBron James, who spends X amount of money on his body. So I, I don't know, people are different. You've got to find what you think is best. For me, I just listen to the people that I, I really value and, and I, it's worked for. So Moz is a big one because he's probably, I think he's had, there was a picture of his body the other, like last year that they brought up. I think he's had like over 40 or something injuries to his body and they yeah. call him Iron Man, mate. They call him Iron Man because he's just the way he's able to recover and, and get himself up. Now he's obviously retired, but he was he was just an, a monster bloke in the gym, on the track, like what he, you get from him every week. So I really liked that and really aspired to be like him. So I'd listen to him and what he was doing with his diet. Some of the stuff he did wasn't for me. I tried it, didn't really like it. So they're the little things. They're the ways that you you learn along the way. Awesome. Oh, we'll start to wrap it up, mate. Thanks so much for your time. What, what are you excited about uh, for 2021? I'm really excited, mate. Like we've got a, obviously a great list and, you know, we've, we've really started off the year well last, last week in the Amy series against Melbourne. So really looking forward to round one and beyond it's going to be an interest, interesting year again i guess with the covid stuff but it's going to have to be adaptable and and really work hard together because we can we've got a great list as i mentioned but the players there are really ready to take that next step so hopefully for us it's you know not just winning one final but winning a few more awesome yeah very strong midfield with uh, adding your close mate who came down to the gym with you in Trelaw. Did you guys meet at the club or have you known him for a while? Because it seems like you guys have a, you've kicked it off. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, to be honest, I, I knew, obviously knew of him being a player, but I think it was the night after the trade stuff. He actually, he messaged me straight away and said, let's catch up. So I'd never actually spoken to him before, to be honest. And then as soon as we caught up, it was, yeah, like you said, we hit it off straight away. And ever since then, we've been really, really close mates. So he's one of my best mates now. So it's it's crazy that in such a short amount of time we can be so close since because we're so similar that's the that's the best thing about it everything we do is is very similar he's like me with the food and like everything we've spoken about he's very similar so it's great to have him at the footy club but also have him as one of my best mates too on that note how important is the social side because we talk about with footy that you know the physical side weights conditioning doing your mindfulness and like you said stress management all these things but how important is it? At the end of the day, everyone loves playing footy with their mates and that's where they start with it. How important is that now for you when you, as a professional player? Yeah, it's like we were talking about before, the mental side of it is so hard and you've got to be able to get away from the game. So to have guys at the club, I think especially, uh, and, and obviously you've got schoolmates and things like that that you'll catch up with a lot of the time. But I like I said the ads the other day, like, He's, he's been so good for me just this preseason, just the way that, you know, I can trust him with everything that I say and he can do the same with me. And to have that player that understands what you're going through and understands everything that's going on at the club or whatever it might be is is pretty powerful, I think. So to have those relationships is definitely something that I'd recommend because everyone – not everyone sees uh, what what goes on behind closed doors so and how you're going on field as well. So it's great to have that relationship. And do you notice that that helps on-field performance as well for the midfield brigade? If you guys are tight off the field, does it help on field or are they two separate things? Oh, absolutely, mate. Like our, the midfield group that we've got at the Doggies, it, the, whole, the whole playing group has never been as close as what we are at the moment, I reckon. Like the way that we can relate to each other, we catch up a lot outside of footy. I think it, it goes back to the Hawthorne days where everyone, they were just so close. And Bebo brought that in to the footy club. It was something that I noticed straight away as soon as I got drafted, the way that he just cares for the playing group and wants to build those relationships and just wants everyone to enjoy their time playing footy. Because like I said before, it's not all, it's not all like, it's not gloomy. It's, it's, it's not rosy. It's just at times it's very tough. So you've got to be able to rely on each other and, and lean on each other and help each other through. 
Fantastic. Well, yeah, thanks for jumping on, mate. And thanks for sharing all your stories and, and experiences along your journey, mate. It's been invaluable. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, make sure to join over a 1,000 footballers by subscribing to our website, preparelikeapro.com, where you'll also receive a free strength and conditioning program as well as high-performance presentations designed by our coaches. If you want to work with one of our coaches one-on-one, head over to our website. The link is in our Instagram handle or you can direct messages uh, on Instagram and make sure to subscribe on YouTube or Spotify or iTunes.